Hello? Good morning. Good morning, worship team. <laughs> and good morning, church at home. Home church. Before we begin. Karen's doing something with that. Uh, can, we, can we hear? Is anyone listening? Is anyone on there? Can you hear me? Can, are they saying yes? There's people actually watching this, guys. What? what a thrill. What a thrill. Just a kajillion people are out there. Um, I've never used this microphone before. This is new. Um, so first things first, we have an announcement, an actual announcement. We haven't done announcements in a while. So we have started um, a thing. It's online video small groups. We haven't actually started it. We're starting it. I-N-G, starting it. Tuesday at 7, Brookie is going to lead us in mere Christianity. It's the youth study, but he's, he's going to do it for everyone because he's a good guy like that. Um, so if you want the link to that video small group, mere Christianity, 7 o'clock on Tuesday, you're going to have to tell us you want that link. We're not going to put the link up for the world to have because who knows what would happen who knows what would happen? So um, just request it now if you want it, and someone will send it to you. Do it now. Um, or message us on the FB. Uh, this sermon podcast is not sponsored by Facebook. Um, <laughs> also, I would like to thank all the worship leaders that have been coming uh, during their time and leading worship bonfires for the last uh 10,000 weeks. I don't know how long this has been going on for, but it, it feels like a long time, and they've given up so much of their time and energy uh, for us. So thank you, all of you who have been doing that. Uh, most of you are in this room right now, so thanks. It, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> give, give yourself a hand. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, thank you, Charlene. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we're going to see how big it can get. Uh, before I finally get to have a haircut. Amen. I, and I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, we will get you that link, guys. Don't don't panic. It's not until Tuesday. But Peace uh, back at you, Lisa. All right, stop. Uh, talking. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. You guys heckle me all you want. Let's pray, though. Don't heckle during the prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. It started out perfectly gloomy. It was a perfect gloomy day. It was stormy. Thank you for that refreshing rain. And Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace. Please, we will take as much as we can stand. And help us to hear your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so this is the second Sunday of Easter. Uh, Easter isn't just one day. Newsflash, evangelicals, it is not just one day. It is a whole season in the church, and it lasts for 50 days. I feel like that's 
that's something great. That's something to celebrate. Um, but we forget that sometimes, I, I think. Um, we always think it's like the one day with the eggs and the baskets and ham dinner. I hate ham. <laughs> I do. Um, but luckily, we have seven weeks. We have seven weeks to celebrate and study the resurrection of Jesus. What a great idea. Uh, so we're going to continue that. And the gospel lesson for today is from John. And it's a pretty familiar story, I think. Um, it's Jesus appearing to his disciples and later on to Thomas. So if you want, you can open your Bibles. You can click your Bibles over to John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, and um, just for some context, remember that this was um, the same day that in the morning the women had found the tomb empty. Um, so on the evening of the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Yeah, amen. Now, I love this story, um, but I hate that we commonly refer to it as the story of doubting Thomas because I think it's an unfair nickname. You know, considering that all of the disciples doubted until they saw Jesus. And we don't call him doubting Peter, right? But we're used to hearing him uh, called Doubting Thomas. And I think it's because of his reaction when the other disciples tell him Jesus came by while he was gone. Like, he has a very strong reaction. Um, you know, unless I see his hands and touch the wounds, you know, I will never believe. And that, I mean, to me, that sounds gross. You know, I don't want to touch something like that. But it's audacious what he says. It's bold. But we don't call him passionate Thomas, right? Thomas the bold, Thomas the brave. Even though he is passionate and bold, 
In John 11, Jesus tells the disciples that he's going to Judea. And the disciples, they say, hey, maybe let's not go back there. Because remember, they want to stone you to death. Like, let's stay here where it is safe. And Thomas is the one who says, no, let's go. Let's follow him so that we may die with him. Thomas loves Jesus. He loves him so much and believes in him so much that he is willing to die with him. So can we please never call him Doubting Thomas ever again? (laughs) I think that one of the problems with this story is the word doubt. Okay, we tend to think of doubt as a choice. Like you either choose to believe or you don't. But is that true? Is that even true? I don't know. Did you choose to believe? Can you unbelieve now? So doubt means uncertain, right? It means to question. But if you go back and look at the roots of the word, like if you put on your nerd hat and you dig into that dictionary, there's a part of the word that means to dread or fear. And um, it's related to the word dubious, which comes from two, duo. Uh, So it's like uh, being of two minds or being undecided on two things. So there is a lot going on in this word. And Thomas's doubt isn't just like a head thing, okay? He's not taking a stance based on an intellectual choice, okay? There's fear and there's dread in here, and it's emotional, okay? It's a heart thing. It's a guts thing. Maybe you've never thought of that before. Maybe you're like, what do you mean fear and dread? What do you mean it's your heart and your guts? It's hard for us because we have the whole story. We've got the whole story in front of us. We know that Jesus is risen, and the disciples don't. I mean, the women tell them what they've seen, but they think that the women are telling idle tales. And they think someone has stolen the body of Jesus. And the disciples, they go home. They go home and they lock the door. Right? So that night, they're all locked in. They're afraid that the Jews are going to come for them next. And all of a sudden, Jesus is in there with them, and he says, peace, right? Shalom, which is exactly what he taught them to say when you go to someone's house. Do you guys remember in Luke 10, when he sends out the 70? He says, offer your peace, and if they accept it, your peace rests on that house. And if they don't accept it, you move on. So Jesus offers his peace. It's resting on their house. And you know, in the other Gospels, I think it's Luke's Gospel, when Jesus shows up, they think he's a ghost. Right? They're afraid of him, and he has to prove to them that he isn't a ghost. He has to eat a piece of fish so that they believe that he is human. I love that reasoning. Like, well, ghosts don't eat. He must be okay. Like, Everyone knows ghosts don't eat. What? So Jesus comes with peace, and he shows them his hands and his side. 
And when the disciples see his wounds, in verse 20, it says they rejoiced. They go from fear and disbelief to peace and joy. And their doubt is healed, right? But Thomas, he still has doubt. He still has the fear and the dread because bold and passionate Thomas isn't there. And where was he? Where was he? Like, what's he doing out so late when the rest of them are all holed up under lock and key? I don't know. We aren't told. But when he shows up, they tell him, we have seen the Lord. And then Thomas gives his passionate response, unless I see and touch his wounds, I will not believe. And he is responding from his heart and not his head. Right? He's not like, actually, guys, I've done a double-blind, peer-reviewed study on this, and I have conclusive results that none of this is true. No, this is from his heart and his guts. Thomas went from like, let's go to Jerusalem with him and die with him. You know, let's die with our rabbi, our spiritual father, our friend. Thomas gave up his life to follow Jesus forever. And he witnessed countless miracles. And he's willing to die for this man he loves. But that's not what happens. He doesn't get to die with Jesus. You know, he goes from eating dinner with Jesus to hours later seeing him betrayed and arrested and then found guilty in an unfair trial. Does injustice make you furious? And he sees Jesus tortured and murdered and buried. And he watches, knowing that he is powerless to stop any of it from happening. So when he comes back home that night, the others are filled with peace and joy from Jesus. And he isn't. He doesn't have that joy and peace. And their words aren't enough for him. He doubts, not with his head, but with his heart, because it is overwhelming. It was so painful losing Jesus the first time. So unless I can put my finger in the nail mark, in his hands, forget it. I can't take another heartbreak. Thomas doubts with his heart and his guts the same way he believes. Let's go to Jerusalem so we may die with him. And Jesus loves Thomas. Verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. and Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Jesus loves Thomas, and he knows his heart. He comes back a week later to honor Thomas's audacious, bold words, right? I want to see his hands and touch the nail marks and place my hand in his side. And Jesus comes back, and he meets Thomas where he is. 
And then Thomas offers the best confession. My Lord and my God. And then Jesus, he does tweak him a little. I think he tweaks them all. Right? Have you believed because you've seen me? Because let's not forget, the other disciples, they only believed because they saw him. So I think, I think he tweaks them, but then he winks at us, right? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Like that's a nod to us. And don't you love that? So here's what I want us to consider. Two things. First thing, sounds like, no. The first thing is our doubt, our own doubt. And then the second thing is how we deal with doubt together as a community, as a church family. So what do we do with our doubt? If you are a Christian, you have doubt. Like maybe you don't doubt often, okay? Maybe you're blessed in that way. And maybe it comes up from time to time. Or maybe, maybe you have lived a lifetime of doubt. Maybe it is a struggle all the time. But if you tell me that you're a Christian and that you never have doubt about anything in Scripture, I don't believe you <laughs> at all. I mean, what is your life even like? The disciples had doubt. Not just Thomas. At the end of Matthew, after the resurrection, and after all of this, and before Jesus ascends to heaven... The disciples meet him in Galilee because he told them to. And it's right before he gives the disciples the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Can you believe that? <laughs> They've been with him through it all now at this point. And they know it with their heads. And they are worshiping him. And still in that moment, some doubted. Does that give you a new perspective on doubt? And it doesn't say which of the 11 doubted, right? It says some, more than one. And do you know what? Jesus doesn't stop them. He doesn't say, whoa, 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 you're worshiping me, but you're doubting at the same time. We can't have that. He doesn't say that. He commissions all 11. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, dot, dot, dot. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So some doubted, but he commands them all to go. And some doubted, but he promises them all that he is with them always. Right? He doesn't take some of them aside like, look, guys, you're just not ready. You know, he doesn't say, hey, you know what? You don't have enough faith. He commands them and promises them all the same. Right. Even the ones with doubt. And do you know what happens to them? Have you read the book of Acts lately? Can you tell me which one of them had doubts? Because they all go and faithfully serve God and they die for him. 
I don't think God is that concerned about your doubt. Because faith and doubt are not opposites. They are both sides of the same coin that is our spiritual journey as a disciple of Christ. And I would say certainty is the opposite of faith, but not doubt. Yeah. Paul doesn't say that we're saved by grace through certainty. Thank God. He doesn't say, for we walk by certainty, not by sight. Also, thank God. So I would encourage you to try not to feel ashamed of your moments or seasons or lifetime of doubt. It is actually part of being a disciple. And that is not to say that it is easy. It is not easy. It's just that you're not alone in it. Tell God about your doubt. Tell him what you need, because Thomas did. And be bold. I think as Christians, we're often taught to fear doubt. Um, this isn't helpful. Okay. <laughs> Don't try to hide your doubt because you will become fake and brittle. Right? Be as sincere as you can in your faith and in your doubt. Because Thomas was. So that brings us to the second thing. How do we deal with doubt as a church family? I think, oh, I keep saying that, don't I? I think, I think. I think a great way to do this is what the disciples did with Thomas, okay? The ten had seen Jesus, and they had his peace and joy and faith, but Thomas didn't. I mean, they want him to join in with the peace and the joy, right? But he tells them that he can't. He tells them his need, I got to see him for myself. And it doesn't say that they made fun of him or that they tried to convince him over and over and over and over again. And they didn't kick him out of disciple club for his doubt. I bet they were heartbroken for their friend. And I bet they continued to do life with their friend. Because in verse 26, it says, eight days later, his disciples were inside again and the doors were locked and Thomas was with them. It's a week later, and Thomas, with all of his doubt, is still with them. He hasn't been ostracized for his doubt, right? He's not like, dude, your unbelief is bumming me out. And apparently, they haven't annoyed him away either, you know? Have you ever wanted to get away from one of those overly cheerful Christians? The ones that, like, no matter what is happening, they've got a verse at hand, and it's supposed to make you feel better, but instead the opposite of that happens? Can you imagine if Thomas was sulking in the corner of this house? Like, just go with me. Just go with me here. And one of them says, hey, Thomas, don't be so glum. Remember, God knows the number of hairs on your head. You're like, thank you, Peter. 
That's what I need, a hair accountant. Super helpful, thanks. <laughs> I would say, you know what, like I would tell someone that, like, but only my closest friends would I say something like that too. Like if Liz came up and was like, Jamie, I just, I, I can't feel God's presence right now and I'm just really low, you know, I might say, you know, Liz, I'm sorry. Just remember that God knows the number of hairs on your fat head. <laughs> I might chance that just to get her to laugh, just to release, release that anxiety. But you can't do that with everybody. <laughs> so don't take a chance. <laughs> but I bet that they were just broken for their friend. I bet they ached for him. They know how much he loved Jesus. And I'm sure for that week, they fed him and prayed, maybe tried to tell him funny stories. They did lie for a week until Jesus showed up and met Thomas exactly where he was with his doubt. Because that's what family does. And that's what Jesus does. So don't be fake about doubt, and don't hide it, and don't give others a hard time when they confess theirs. Love them, sit with them, get them a snack. <laughs> Snacks are really helpful, and pray. And I think the best prayer I've ever heard about this kind of thing was from Mark chapter 9, when a dad asks Jesus to cast a demon out of his son, and he's like, can you do it? And Jesus is like, can I do it? He's like, all things are possible for one who believes. And the man says, I believe. Help my unbelief. That's the best prayer I have ever heard. It is just say those five words and an amen and then watch what Jesus does. And it might not be immediate. It might be a week later. It might be a month later, a lifetime later. But he's going to move. Amen? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good, and you are love, and you are here. And we confess that we sometimes doubt all of that. And we're sorry. We believe with our heads. Please help the unbelief in our hearts and our guts. Jesus, will you meet us like you did with Thomas? We admit that sometimes hearing words from other people isn't enough. Seeing a Bible verse cut and pasted onto a sunset is not enough. We need you and we need your presence. And Holy Spirit, will you help us? We need you. During this crisis of identity and the financial chaos and the mass sickness and death, we need your help. Help us to voice our need so Jesus can show up and give us his peace and joy for our doubt and dread. Thank you. God, will you reveal yourself to the world that aches for you so hard? We love you and we trust you. In your name, Jesus, amen.
Hope you guys have a good week and peace.